0: Welcome to In Conversation with Ziegwerk, the podcast adding a little more color to your day. I'm Carla, your host for today's episode. And with me, we have two returning guests, Alina Mam and Bilal Habib. Welcome to you both. Hi, Carla.
1: Hi, Carla. Thank you.
0: So before we get started, I think it would be useful just for each of you to remind our listeners just what you do at Siegverg. So what your title is and what your job sort of entails. So uh, maybe let's start with you, Alina. Of course. Thank you, Carla. So
2: I'm Alina. I'm leading the Circle Economy Hub at ZeekVac. And the Circle Economy Hub is a dedicated department, or let's rather say a hub, a home, to drive circle economy inside of ZeekVac, but also outside of ZekeVac, because it is a joint game. Perfect.
0: And uh, Bilal, how about you?
1: Yeah, thanks. So my name is Bilal Habib. I lead the global brand and collaboration team. So what we do is we connect our our packaging solutions for brand owners because we're normally two steps removed. So we inform them about all the possibilities and then work with them on possible implementations into the marketplace.
0: Thank you so much. And we've been talking a lot in the past episodes specifically about the circular economy and what Siegweck is doing in this space. And we are seeing a large citizen and consumer-led movement worldwide, creating pressure to find solutions to issues like plastic waste. And brand owners are responding to this. So what are the opportunities you see for brand owners in this space that they should be aware of? So maybe let's start with you, Bilal, and then Irina, you can jump in.
1: So what brand owners generally want is um what they see and from consumers is first of all you've got to understand with regards to the whole circularity aspect it's all location dependent it's a very very complex fragmented landscape that's the starting point the second point is that ironically to make a difference we need system level change the two are really difficult to reconcile but they're still possible so brand owners who are more global in their nature have got to struggle to find a solution that fits to all their markets and all their consumers, whereas local and regional brand owners may have a better starting point in this context. And so brand owners will be looking for those solutions that are scalable, but are applicable in different marketplaces. So one size fits all might not work for the recycling infrastructure in certain markets, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Alina, I know that you've been speaking about this, especially the local context and what that means for packaging design. Do you want to jump in? Yeah. So I think what Bilal mentioned sums it up really well to say it's sort of
2: a global game that has to be played locally because the rules are different from a consumer perspective, preferences, but of course also regulation. If I maybe take a step back and look at well, this complexity as an opportunity. Um, I think the picture actually becomes really attractive. Uh, it might be a challenging task, but it's something that's definitely worth its while. Think about it—maybe not just packaging um, at the for the moment, but really the packed good as well. So the total offering that the brand has to the consumer um, here really is an opportunity to set a new default. So if you think about um, sort of the world we consume in today, non-sustainable solutions are almost a default setting Hence, we have sort of sustainable products that are marketed as such. If that would be the default setting, sustainable would be the default setting. We wouldn't have this niche. So there is the chance to sort of develop and dominate, actually, this new default setting of sustainable products, of course, including packaging. And why is this a business opportunity? Because it sounds like um, this tremendous challenge. Um, If you look a little bit back in time, you will see that sort of the growth that we've seen in the consumer-packed goods, um, and this is an example from the U.S., was actually led by products um, that are marketed as sustainable. This is sort of the old generation without stepping on anybody's toes. If we look more into the up and coming generations, we see that with especially the millennials, 75% roughly are also willing to pay more. So there is a market and there is a generation that is willing to pay more. But even forget sort of about the millennials and think about sort of Gen Z that is coming. So everybody who's sort of born roughly after 1996, by 2023, so just right around the corner, this will be the largest generational segment in the economy. Just think about the sheer numbers. And this generation really believes that brands have an obligation to take a positive and a proactive stand on environmental issues. And also roughly 90% of Gen Z and Disinc millennials care about honest information on the sustainability of products so green marketing will not cut it anymore it will really need green products sustainable products and again there is this opportunity to move them out of the niche and make them into a default setting and cater to this ever-growing consumer base and that of course also includes considering the packaging that it comes in it has to be sort of a holistic system uh, perspective
0: yeah definitely and I think we know that most brand owners are aware of this and want to address this in some way. But as we spoke about in the first um, podcast episode, we said that brand owners are not always able to overcome the challenges that they see and that inks and coatings can be an opportunity to overcome some of the challenges to achieving those circularity or sustainability goals. So Alina, you work in the circular economy hub for Zikvek. What solutions are, would you say are most appropriate to face or to address those challenges um, that brand owners might be facing that Ziegwerk is working on?
2: Yep. So I think it depends on sort of what packaging format a brand owner has in their portfolio. And again, which region they cater to. But to keep it simple, if we think about what creates circular packaging that is Reducing packaging components or fossil-based materials—that is, reusing packaging—and of course, it's recycling. And in all of these segments and all of these levers, inks and coatings have a true value proposition to create that circular packaging, because there's a lot. I'll just try to um, pick out um, pick out a few. If we think about um, sort of reducing the use of fossil-based material, and hence Plastic, um, of course, paper is a very, very interesting material to look on, at, look at. Now, paper, while it has its advantages from a sourcing perspective, um, is tricky because it lacks the great functionality that plastic has. So here we try to come in with printed barrier coatings for grease, for water, water vapor, and a combination of those to really give back functionality um, to that substrate and to make it into a real alternative to plastic. All that while keeping in mind so at the end of life of the packaging, let it be recycling or composting. If I think about reusing packaging, this is something where probably most people initially think, well, what do inks and coatings have to do with reusable packaging? Thinking about your to-go cup um, or also more and more, we see sort of um, packaging return systems. Loop is a good example that some of you might know. And actually, there's a lot of hidden power for inks and coatings. Think about a reusable packaging that is not owned by the consumer, but is owned by a brand or an operator, reuse operator. Here, in every use cycle, you have to add new data to the packaging. Just think about the best before date, or there might be a different flavor to a certain ice cream that has to be rebranded with each use cycle. Here... Inks and coatings um, can have a great role to play when we think about last mile customization in the printing, for example, through digital printing. But also if we think about how can we design inks that actually are easy to remove in the washing process, giving me the opportunity to rebrand, reprint the packaging. And then the last step, recycling. I mean, the examples are are almost endless. It's always difficult to pick out a hot contender. But if I just look at packaging that challenges us the most, but is very popular Those are laminated plastic foils. Um, We all know them. We all use them. And here, what inks and coatings can really drive is the move towards um, monoplastic um, films. So there's only one plastic type, ideally also only one layer that is then surface printed. This sounds really easy, but again, it's a huge challenge that we can, um, can support with. It starts, again, with functionality. If, if you take away certain layers of plastic or plastic types, you have to restore that functionality. Let it be on the packaging machine or the converting machine um, or also protective functions. Think about barriers again. But then also if you sort of print on it and you have a surface print, you want to make sure that... Your brand recognition, your marketing space that is the packaging has sort of the best quality. And here we can protect the print and we can actually even add sort of effects that cater to a brand's market image and message they want to convey. If you think about haptics, for example, that create a real nice customer experience and brand experience while being fully recyclable.
0: Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Bilal, you mentioned at the beginning that a one-size-fits-all approach doesn't really work. And I think here yeah, it's also the case, correct? So you work directly with brand owners. So um, do you have additional comments about how Zgwerk supports brand owners in the space?
1: I think, I think Alina summed it up really nicely. I mean, the only aspects that I could probably complement a little bit are around the whole packaging performance aspect. Now, if you look at the basic stats, packaging inks and coatings, Broadly, in consumer goods, we're talking about health, personal care, foods, and detergents, laundry, they can be about two to tops, four or 5% of packaging cost. What I'm trying to say here is that you're not top of mind when it comes to financial pressure. We're then two steps removed in the value chain from brand owners. So we're behind the scenes with regards to their packaging performance. So again, we're not top of mind. So a brand owner won't typically think of inks and coatings as the first port of call for solutions. So the reason we work directly with brand owners is to make them aware of what's possible. And the humble inks and coating space can transform packaging performance and specifications, especially with regards to performance for circularity, performance on lines, as Alina mentioned, and in total packages as well, simplification. So this is the specificity of what we do is important. And to do that, brand owners need to be aware of what's possible. So a lot of our work is around the art of the possible And then what does that mean in translation into solutions?
0: Can
2: I maybe add to that? Because, Galal, I love that you said sort of the power is in specificity. And I think that's what we're really good at, sort of providing a concrete solution for a concrete challenge. Sometimes we even help sort of define the challenge, the concrete challenge in, in the first place, because sometimes it seems a bit as a blur. And at the same time, while being specific, we have sort of the opportunity to have the system level perspective that Bilal also mentioned in his introduction, because we really look at the entire solution space. If we look at a packaging challenge, we think through it from the functionality, the cost, and the circular aspects of it. And then we come to we like to call it sort of agnostic recommendation to say, you know what, for this use case. A paper packaging would be a good solution. Or actually, you know what, for this use case, plastic, a recyclable plastic is actually much better better solution also from a circular perspective. So we play the entire system game while being specific to the solution
0: served. Yeah, absolutely. And Alina, you just mentioned sort of looking at the entire solution space. And that reminds me of the fact that we also need to look at the entire value chain. So Bilal, do you maybe want to just explain how we work and what collaboration is needed in the space along the value chain? Yes,
1: yeah, so let's just give a simple example. Alina mentioned surface printing. Let's just say you've got an, a laminate today, and let's even say you've got a, a monomaterial laminate. When these laminates go through the post-consumption process and go into the recycling space, they could Problems in extrusion, they could cause all kinds of problems depending on the adhesive that's in there. If you were to take a step further and find a way of just printing a single layer of material, A, you'd reduce complexity, source reduction, all the above, but then you'd need to compensate with regards to performance. There's a reason why laminates exist they give stiffness, they give all kinds of packaging performance characteristics, and they also help with the printing and the glossiness and the appeal on shelf. Now, with surface printing, if you want to compensate all of that, your inks and coatings have to do a lot of the work. You have to make sure that your inks and coatings are firstly formulated so they don't cause problems in recycling, in re-extrusion, clogging up the equipment pieces. You also need to make sure that the visual appeal is there. And you need to make sure that the film, as it travels through a machine and through the whole logistics process, is scratch and scuff resistant. All of that would come from a combination of inks and coatings on a single film. If you can make that happen, and that can then conform to the requirements of packaging specification, you almost get a win-win-win through the whole process. So that's just one example of what you could imagine if the product requirements allow for this, for a surface print.
0: Yep, that's a great example. Alina, do you want to jump in? Do I want to, (laughs) there's a... You don't have
2: to. No, I'm just thinking about sort of the, sort of building on Bilal's example, if we can sort of take it a step further in the value chain, the collaboration. Now, in order to find out and to stay with the example, how well do certain inks work in the recycling process? For example, we need and want and do collaborate with recyclers to really, really have knowledge about what we're doing and to have these feedback loops in the value chain. The same holds true for film suppliers. There's so much innovation happening on the film side, but also sort of on the paper side. And if we can bring all of this together, we can actually make fantastic solutions. So we have the single puzzle pieces and everybody in the value chain has puzzle pieces that are great in itself. And moving towards sort of a collaboration space and a collaboration innovation, we can really make the most of these puzzle pieces and and create whole new pictures and solutions that provide great value for the brands. But, of course, also if we think about sort of the the circularity of packaging and the sustainability of
0: packaging. Great. Do you have anything else you would like to add?
1: Yeah, I'd like to actually credit Ziegwerk. If we look at what Alina just mentioned around the whole value chain collaboration and partnerships... It's credit to Siegwerk that they've had the foresight to understand diversity, diversity in perspective and diversity in solutions and approach. What I mean specifically by this is the very fact that myself and Alina are at Zeigwerk, Alina comes from a consulting and industry background. I come from an FMCG background. And together with experts in Zeigwerk, we have the opportunity to bring our own insights into play. Now, what this means is that we have more time than a brand owner would typically have to devise solutions, pressure test them, check them, do test and learns, pilot test, etc., whatever you'd like to call it, and come up with either semi-finished or finished solutions that we can serve up to brand owners and either let them fine tune or take them as is. When I was a brand owner, we never had this luxury. The minute you thought of an idea that was, let's say useful or applicable, the clock starts to tick. The pressure is on you. You've got to get the idea to market as soon as possible. Now on this side of supply, We can do that in a much more structured and systematic manner. That's really luxurious to be able to do that. The most important thing is to apply the right insights and make the right bets and create a process where you can iteratively check in with various brand owners to make sure you're on the right track. And that's what we've started to do more of.
0: Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. I think what sets Siegberg apart is the richness of expertise, but also the richness of perspectives. Well, can I maybe add to that
2: with two concrete examples that I think showcase what you said nicely, but also that we also look into the future and invest and make bets into the future. I think one is the deinking where we for plastics recycling where we actually try to figure out what does the future recycling system, mechanical recycling system has to look like in order for us collectively to meet the targets with regards to recycled content that brand owner voluntarily have set up or that are coming through regulation. So we're investing now in product development. We're investing now in um, solution and service development to do now what we need for tomorrow. I think that's one really good example. And it's investment because there is no sort of immediate payback because it's something for sort of short to midterm future. And the other example is, I think when we look at reuse, use we of course come from an inks and coatings perspective, but we actually look at it and think about it, which system barriers do we have to take down to make reuse use as easy or so easy that consumers will opt for it on a larger scale? That's sort of cost, ease of access, uh, you name it. And here, actually, we're also sort of trying to build ideas, build business models that target exactly these barriers and hence are an attractive case for brand owners or other players in the value chain to to engage as well. Again, an investment for our future packaging system and
0: solutions that we all need in future. So unfortunately, that is all we have time for today. I would like to thank my guests very much for their time today, but I would also especially like to thank our listeners. Thank you so much for listening. Keep an eye out for future episodes and have a colorful day. Goodbye. Goodbye.
1: Goodbye. Thanks.